Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Mensel, and joining me on the line from Lords is the Australian's chief cricket writer, Peter Lawler, to preview the second Ashes test. Pete, um, how's Lords looking? Oh, Lords is Lords, mate. That never changes. Uh, I'm out at the nursery ground at the moment watching training, but had a little bit of a peek at the ground before. In fact, I was lucky enough to go to a cocktail party here in the Members Pavilion the other night. Uh, fantastic up on the roof there having a having a nice wine and uh, looking over the ancient stadium how's the pitch looking i can't see it there's cover on it it's a few days out yet i'm just trying to get around now to see they've actually moved the cover it looks very green but there's a couple of days to go yet so who knows so, Peter, lots on the line for this uh, second Ashes test. If Australia go 2-0 up in the series, it, it'll be a pretty steep climb back for the Poms. And uh, conversely, if, if England go, you know, level the series, they'll take a lot of confidence that they can uh, expose the Aussie weaknesses in England again. So it really is a lot hinging on this next test. Oh, yeah, there sure is. I mean, there's, it's the second test, I think. I was writing in in tomorrow's paper that uh, maybe everyone's a bit too confident and cocky. This is the fans, at least, after that first win. I mean, everything went Australia's way. Got to remember that you know losing Anderson on the first morning is a body blow. You know, and commensurate with the Australians losing Glenn McGrath in 2005, that changed the series. And uh, it's opened up the exciting possibility of us seeing Jofra Archer at Lords, which. I think it's going to be fantastic. But uh, Australia seemed very, having said that, Australia are in a great position. I mean, 
Johnny Bairstow's under pressure. I mean, he come in, came into the first test with all the English journals saying Tim Payne's under pressure, which I thought was a bit overstated. But we come out of the first one saying, well, your wicketkeeper, Johnny Bairstow, hasn't, I think his stats something, I don't think he's passed 30 on two occasions in his last 16 innings. So he's not doing well at all. And they've had to drop Moeen Ali and bring in this uh, Leach guy who has only paid five tests. He did quite well on a tour of Sri Lanka. And he does well at his county where they sort of prepare Bunsen burners. But we'll see how he goes at Lords. Of course, he did open for England here as the night watchman a couple of weeks ago against Ireland. And made, was it 92, wasn't it, Menace? Yeah, and uh, aren't they bringing, bringing in him with the hope that he can dismiss Steve Smith because Smith's been out to left arm spin in the past. But my thing is, I just don't think Leach is as good a bowler as the left arm spinners like Jadeja and Harath that have got out Smith. No, I, th- I, I think that's a fair assumption. And uh, look, they were compelled to make that change, weren't they? I mean, Moeen's in disastrous form. Smithy's pulled his wings off, but he hadn't made a run for a long time and his bowling just looks off too. I think that... They had to drop him. Being a great player, but uh, I really wonder whether we'll see Moeen Ali back in the England team. So they were forced into that. I guess you're right. I guess they're hoping that that left arm spin can get Smith out because they don't seem to have any other plans against him. No, not at all. What's been happening over there in the break between the tests? How have you assessed the sort of mood in the Aussie camp? And uh, what was it like? You know, the I know the sort of group split up and some went off and partners are coming in. So just how, how describe the situation. Well, you're right. A few of them jumped in cars uh, and went to London or wherever, including the coach. Justin Langer took three or four days off. Steve Smith and David Warner shared a car to London catch up with their wives and families. Who else had it off? The, the, uh, it was the World Cup players. Uh, the guys who had to play the tour game, I don't think that they were all all that impressed, especially the ones who played in the first test because they were backing up two days later for a tour for a tour game. It was pretty notable that sort of Tim Payne, I don't think, showed his face in the batting and gave the gloves to uh, Matthew Wade. So it was kind of a poorly placed piece of the fixture. But they're back together. I mean, if you, you know, they've got to be feeling pretty good about themselves. They're all there and about, except for the except for the openers who made a collective 25 runs in that first test. Everybody did enough to take some confidence into this second test. And you have to say, well, Warner's due, and Bancroft batted very well in the tour game, so we'll see what happens with him. Yeah, a couple of things to take away from that. Firstly. Uh, the, the the players in this squad shouldn't uh, complain too much because when I've read the 1989 Ashes diaries, uh, there were county games the day after Test victories. So uh, two day two days after is a bit of a luxury compared to 89. Maybe it's a good omen. And the other thing is, what about <laughs> Smith and Warner? How is their relationship sort of evolving? I mean, 18 months ago they were vice captain and captain. There was a, a fracturing. And how are they coming together? Look, it's been curious to watch them. I watch them. They do slip training together at first and second slip. And they get right into it. They're high-fiving each other, laughing, putting arms around each other. And the fact that they shared a car down to London, I mean, I wasn't in it. And I don't know. Maybe they didn't speak to each other the whole way down. But they look like uh, the best of mates. So 
But that seems to be coming along pretty well. Um, but hey, I'm talking. I'm, I'm judging from a distance. I don't know. I can't hear their conversations, <laughs> but they do seem genuinely to enjoy each other's company. Do you think they were discussing comparing how many millions they each lost last year uh, when they were banned? <laughs> I suspect their eyes are uh, straight ahead. I think they just want to leave all that stuff behind them. It's nothing to be gained by dwelling on that, but, gee, they lost a lot of money, didn't they? Oh, millions Five, and million each, yeah, probably. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Pete, I'm having a real trouble trying to sort of work out what Australia will do with this Lord's Test 11. What's your, I guess, your gut telling you about the way they'll juggle the fast bowlers? It's going to be extra. I think they plan to make changes, but I think that circumstances have shifted. I think it's difficult to change a team that won so well. The only way they can change the team is if it's a green top here. And then it's curious will they bring in Hazelwood and who would they bring him in for? I reckon it's difficult to see Starkey playing at Lords. Yeah, I think the only change they can make is to bring in Hazelwood, possibly at the expense of Siddle. But Siddle bowled really well, particularly in that second innings. None of the bowlers had a big workload in the second innings. Justin Langer called Siddle's second innings performance the best number he's ever seen and actually rated him as the pick of the bowlers. And even given Justin's propensity for verbally, he's pretty impressed by that performance he put in. He said that it came down to, you know, minutes before the start of the game and it was just a gut feel that they went with Siddle ahead of Hazelwood. It take, takes some brave selectors to change this side, I reckon. Yeah, I, I don't think Siddle was Australia's best bowler in the last Test match, but you're right, he did bowl exceptionally well. I heard Ian Chappell speaking on the radio over the weekend, Pete, and he said that he thinks Hazelwood could perform the same role as Siddle, but with a bit more bounce and a bit more pace, and it's worth trying him at Lords. What do you think? Yeah, well, yeah, he's right, and that's why I think there, there must be a temptation there to do that, and that's possibly the only thing they're tempted by. But I can't get myself into the minds of the selectors on this one. I reckon, again, it's a toss of a coin. I'd be just... Look, what Siddle has that Hazelwood doesn't is a lot of English experience, and experience counts, and you can see that they've favoured that. They want players who are right for England and who have played a lot of cricket in England. So uh, that's what Siddle's got. He's a smart bloke, he's a smart bowler, and he knows his way around these games. Lords can be difficult for bowlers. We've seen them get it wrong here because of the slope. We saw Mitchell Johnson have a disastrous game here two ashes ago. Um, you don't want to start, you know, you don't want to start losing in line at Lords because you go for a lot of runs, and they're very conscious of four balls. And Siddle gave up the fewest fours per over of any of the bowlers in that last test. Uh, they will, they will have noted that, and that's what they want. They don't want England getting easy boundaries. Yeah, I still think though Siddle does at times look like he's not going to get a wicket. He's like he's going to keep it tight, but the 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 batsman's pretty comfortable in keeping him out. But, you know, you're talking about, like, bowlers' experience in English conditions. I guess one thing Hazelwood could point out is he's had that 2015 tour to sort of get his experience in England. So maybe he could take those lessons into these upcoming matches if he gets a chance. Possibly, but he was dropped at the end of that series, remember. I mean, 
it possibly uh, probably because of the balance of the side, but he didn't make himself a compelling choice, and he hasn't had a lot of exposure to these conditions since. So, I still reckon I still reckon Siddle's got his nose in front of selection. How is the mood around like Hazelwood and Stark? Because, I mean, eighteen months ago they were almost. I think you've used this term "protected species" as the sort of leading the fast bowling attack, but they've both been unseated. How's that going? it looks fine. I think it was spelt out to all of the bowlers at the start of the series, Nathan Lyon apart, obviously, that they would not be playing five tests, that the team was taking a squad approach. So they knew that. I reckon they could start to get frustrated if they sit on the sidelines. You know, if they're still sitting on the sidelines for the third test. But they, they all know their time will come, so they had to deal with that. Naturally, you're disappointed, though, aren't you, if you're missing an Ashes test, any Ashes test, but they all know they'll get a chance. I mean, Barnessa, I guess, would be, I don't think we can see him playing a test. With uh, Cameron Bancroft at the top of the order, do you think Lang is aware that there's a perception that, you know, Bancroft's his kind of pet project? Uh, even if he is aware that there's a perception of that, it shouldn't affect his thinking. And what, what affected his thinking and the other selectors' thinking going into that first test was his performance in Southampton. I banged on about this a fair bit, but he was twice as good as any other Australian batsman in that game. Those conditions were frightening. Tim painted, if that was a normal tour game, we'd have called it off. It was so difficult to make. Only Labuschagne and Warner made runs, but they certainly didn't make that 90 that he made against top-line bowling attack uh, in hair-raising conditions. And while he's not a pretty batsman, it's kind of it's that grit to be able to make runs, no matter what the circumstances. That has appealed to the selectors. We'll watch this space whether he comes through, whether that pays off or not. We'll see. Maybe he was lucky, but he's a very brave bat. I mean, hey, he's a pretty handy bat pad. Two nice catches. Yeah, uh, he's been driving me mad. I just feel that one innings in a practice game shouldn't trump. You know, Marcus Harris's whole Shield season or Joe Burns' whole test career. It just it just seems like the waiting for that was uh, out of place. Yeah, um, he batted well in the lead-up to it. Uh, I think it's hard to underestimate how important that innings was and how much it said about his character and the character that they wanted from from the players on this tour. It's a bit the early Steve Waugh sort of fact. And it's interesting that Steve Waugh was here too. So Langer and Steve Waugh are always going to rate that very highly. You're right. Marcus Harris was terribly unlucky to miss out and must be very must have been very close to playing. And equally Joe Burns. I mean, it's, that's, that's very disappointing for him to go home. I think that was one of the hardest calls that Langer had to make. I think they kept him up at night. Sick with worry about making those decisions. They weren't easy decisions to make. But uh, yeah, I guess I guess the proof will be in the pudding, won't it? And we'll see a few tests down the track whether Bancroft has made runs or he hasn't. It didn't matter that he missed out in the first first test, but it will matter if he keeps missing out. Yeah. Well, my only response to that is Steve Ward's only method of pumping up Bancroft's was to talk about his fielding. Couldn't find anything in his batting to talk about. Just said, talked about his fielding. Okay, <laughs> last couple, because I know you've got to go. Do you think uh, England will produce green tops now and try and just turn it into a, a bowler v. bowler sort of slugfest? Yes. Okay, good. 
<laughs> and what do you think will happen? Do you think Australia can match them? Well, look at Australia's bowling lineup. It's pretty. It's a pretty damn good bowling lineup that doesn't have that has Stark and Hazelwood sitting on the bench. Paddy Cummins is a brilliant bowler and and came into his own in the second innings. He was probably a bit uptight, I reckon, in the first innings and didn't have his rhythm. Pattinson's going to go off, particularly on a green top, particularly if the ball moves around. Nathan Lyon's about to become, about to pass Dennis Lilly on the all-time wicket-taking list. So, yeah, the bowlers are looking pretty good. Paddo's just walking by me now, grinning. <laughs> He's a, a bet is looking happy. All right, are you in the, the camp that's predicting this could be an avalanche, a 4-1 or a 5-0 thrashing? I reckon Australia are going to win the series. Yes. <laughs> I don't Same. know by how many, but they're on top. Yeah, they're on top. And they, they need to stay there. Good. Now, how are you getting on with the English press? Uh, they're all good. They're a good crew. I like them. They can get a little bit patriotic, but then again, I guess some of the Australian media can get the same. And their chins drop pretty quickly when their team doesn't do well. There's a very gloomy feeling on the fifth day of that test match among the English press. But, uh, no, they're entertaining some very good journalists over here. They extend some pretty good hospitality to us, too. Hospitality. Good. Well, they've got the World Cup, so that's um, that's something they can cling to. All right, the last one, and probably the, the question that is maybe going to really put these two countries at, well, war in adverters commas, where oh. do you sit in the Marmite v Vegemite battle? What will you have on your toast? <laughs> Oh, you know, I force myself to eat Marmite when I'm over here because then when you get home, Vegemite's 10 times as good. No, I'm, come on, it's not a serious Marmite's question. Marmite's too, like, it? watery. It's, like, watery. Yes, and... it's not a serious question, mate. No, no. That's one thing they don't do well. If you ask me about English beer over Australian beer, I'll take English beer every time. No, not, for, not on my toast. They don't do that good at all. Well, Pete, you've settled that debate. You go and watch the Aussies train. Uh, all the listeners are going to read your stuff at The Australian and uh, we'll catch up over the summer. Good to chat, chat man. Okay. Well, that was Pete Lawler, Chief Cricket Writer for The Australian. Remember, you can keep up with all his work at theaustralian.com.au and all the Ashes action online at thedailytelegraph.com.au or your local masthead, Herald Sun, Courier Mail, Adelaide Advertiser. There's uh, a lot of reporters over there, Russell Gould, Joe Barton. They'll bring you all the action. And, of course, this podcast will be continuing our coverage of the Ashes. Well, you've been listening to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I've been your host, Andrew Mentzel. Actually, there's another show coming up very soon with Harry Conway, New South Wales fast bowler. So that is going to be must listen. And uh, back soon with another podcast. Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.